Glad that you're here this morning with us. Before we continue in our series uh, this morning called Witness, just want to kind of give a shout out to everybody who participated in the night to shine we had this past Friday night here at the church. It was a major undertaking. Uh, lots of setup and tear down. Lots of things went into it before and after, and it was just a great, great night. We've got some uh, pictures on the screen, uh, actually live shots of that night, and uh, just, just a really special night. And I just want to just ask you to consider uh, when we have events like this at the church that you would uh, come and participate and be a part of that. We have another one coming up in just a, just a couple months. It's going to be Easter, and we do a big outreach to our community um, called Easter Extravaganza, and there's a ton of ways for you to be involved with that as well. And so uh, it's just a great time to exercise your faith, uh, maybe to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and just uh, serve the community. It, it was a great night as we had all of our participants and our special guests with special needs come to the church. And um, it, it was cool this year because I got to see different parts of it this year than I did last year. As being on the board, I was over certain areas, but I also got to float a lot more this year. And I, I saw it from the moment they got in the parking lot and they came in the doors um, to get their name tags and to, and to make sure they were registered to go to Crowns and Tierras and, and, and make the loop uh, down our children's wing area to come out here and do the red carpet. And the red carpet, just to, to see our, our participants get so excited and feel so special and loved on in that moment. And then to, to also see them uh, hang out in the gym. But one of the coolest things I got to see this year was at the very, very end. I saw buddies bring the participants with them, um, and, and they get a partner for the night. We call them a buddy. Come into uh, this area right out here in this lobby. And as they're saying their goodbyes for the night, I, I didn't get to see any of that last year. And it was so awesome to see this year because there were, there were several of them that were, you know, they would give each other a hug and say, man, I really appreciate you coming, and I'm glad I got to know you, and will you be here next year? And, and just, just really a sense of love, a true sense of love. And you could see how God did something in the, in the participants' hearts that night to make them feel loved on. But I wonder how much more work did God do in the hearts of us and, and that were working and volunteering, and especially in the hearts of those buddies that got to spend a night with them and help them feel special. So again, I just want to say thank you uh, so much for being a part of that, whether you gave financially, whether you were part of the setup team, or, or whether you were just a, a part of the night in a volunteer capacity it was really a special night, and just want to say thank you for that. Uh, let's pray as we have every Sunday this year. Just, just take a, just a moment here and pray, Lord, today, speak to me. Would you do that right now? Bow your heads. Lord, today, speak to me. And expecting that, all God's people said, amen. So we're in a series called Witness, and we've uh, been learning what the mission is, and that we are called to be God's witnesses to the world, to testify to the truth and today we're just adding another step to that uh, as today we're, we're talking about actually having a testimony and actually sharing a story with someone because this is what believers did in, in first century Christianity in the time of Jesus and all the way even unto today and it seems like that torch was passed generation to generation something interesting I found as I was studying it this week um, was set, found in John chapter 1 it's gonna be on the screen here for you to to read along John chapter 1 verses 6 and 7 now this is the uh, the Gospel of John, and he's talking about a different John here in this verse. He's talking actually about John the Baptist. Listen to what was said here. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that's Jesus, that all might believe through him. So John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, that's what it says, that the, 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 uh, John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness 
to the light, that's Jesus, that all might believe through him. Now, if you turn over just one book later, in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, in verse 8, it says this. But, and he's talking to the disciples and to the believers at that time. He says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in the immediate area where they were, in all Judea and Samaria, in the whole region, and even to the end of the earth, and even to the end of the earth, and even to the entire world. And so, what you see here is the mission was passed on. It didn't just stay as a witness that everybody would believe through John the Baptist. It actually went to the next generation of believers, and it went to another generation of believers as we read throughout the epistles in the New Testament, and even into churches, and even unto today. This mission about being a witness was passed on. And that mission stayed on the mind of the next generation as they became the new set of hands and feet to carry the gospel to a new people. And yes, it's an awesome responsibility we have as Christians and as Christ followers to do this, but it is also a great privilege we have to partner with God in his redemptive work. And you and I are witnesses to that. We're called to share with everyone, every way. And it's something that we're supposed to live out tangibly. It's not some just conceptual thing that we think about and pray about. We're actually supposed to take action and do something about it. And one of those ways I want to talk to you about today is how we testify to the truth and we share a testimony about what God has done in our lives. And I know we get to this point where in all of Scripture we say, but how? How do we do that? And I want to share some ideas and some thoughts with you about that today, of how we can be better witnesses for Jesus. Because one of the first things we need to realize is that we need to be prepared to share. We need to be prepared to share. Now, I want to ask you this morning and begin here. If I were to call you up right now and say, I want you to give a testimony to testify to the work that God has done in your life, testify to the relationship that you have with Jesus, So you need to be a Christian first. You need to be a a baptized believer in Jesus Christ. And I were to call you up here on stage and I were to say, I want you to give it, give us your testimony, testify to the truth that you know. Are you prepared to do it? And many of you would say no. And many of you may say no way. Now what what if it weren't on a platform and in front of a large crowd? What if it was just somebody after the service today said, tell me about your faith in Jesus Christ? Tell me why I should believe in Jesus and why I should give my heart and my life to him. Are you prepared? Because look at what the scripture says. It says right here, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. How do we do that, Lord? How do we honor Christ the Lord as holy? And then he says this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness. And respect, and we're going to see how the Apostle Paul does it with gentleness and respect in just a little bit. But I want you to notice there, always being prepared. Now, that always being prepared is actually something that shows us continual action. That isn't we get prepared once and we're done. It's something that we're always preparing as we go through life. As you're walking out your faith, you are always being prepared. You're going to always be prepared to share a testimony about who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. It's all about preparation. And and we think about preparation sometimes. We think about that in work. If we get some kind of a task or duty, we have to prepare, right? We have to prepare for that. That's not something that we can just show up and do magically. It takes some preparation. You know, we think about that in, in the world of sports, that they have what's called practices, and yes, even the Oklahoma City Thunder beating beating the Houston Rockets last night, there was practice and preparation that went into that, I guarantee you. 
So we, we think of that in the sports realm. Uh, sometimes I, I talk about it with my staff sometimes because in the church world we do a lot of what we call meetings. Meetings are only as successful as what we are prepared to meet about. And so sometimes if we just show up to a meeting and just to check a box and say, met and we're not prepared. We even think about this in the realm of worship and, and coming here on Sunday morning and putting away distractions and, and saying, you know, I just want to focus on the Lord this morning and I'm going to shelf everything that happened this week and I'm going to shelf all the distractions of the world and everything that's weighing me down and I, I just really want to focus on Jesus today. We prepare. And here it says, with your testimony and being a witness for Jesus Christ, you need to always be prepared, always being prepared to process every day, to share with anyone the reason for the hope that you have, which begs the question again, and I want to ask you to consider, are you prepared? Right now, are you prepared? Because that's our calling. Another thing is that we need to choose to say something when it'd be easier to say nothing. This is something that Christians really need to step up their game on. Choose to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. Because we are called to talk about Jesus to everyone, everywhere. And it's a whole lot easier to do if, catch this, he's a part of your daily life. Because things are a part of your daily life you find yourself talking about. If you see a good movie, you start telling everybody about the movie that you just saw. Oh, I saw such and such. It was such a good movie. And you need to, you need to go see it. Why? Because it's part of your life. If you had a really good experience, you went to some event and you were, you, it was awesome entertainment, you might tell everybody about that. If you had some project at home that you completed and, and you were like, wow, I finally got this done, I've been working on this for months, and it's so great, you, know, you would share that because it's a part of your life and God wants to be a part of your daily life. That's part of the reason why we do the devotions this year and why we made a big push at the beginning of the year to, to buy one of these uh, Paul David Tripp devotionals, do it together as a church so you could talk about it. Just this week, I had uh, a person email me about a Devo that spoke to them this week, and I also had uh, somebody get a really bad medical diagnosis, and I was talking to him on the phone, and he was sharing how one of the devotions this week about putting our hope and our faith in God and how God is in control, and that sometimes we don't know the way, we don't know the next step, but God does, and we're just supposed to trust in that, and he said that just spoke to him and his wife that day in, in, in just such a special way. And so this daily living in Christ, this daily, minute by minute, hour by hour, having him first and foremost in our lives. Sometimes we choose to say nothing when we should say something because Jesus isn't in our lives that much. It's just Sunday morning. That's it. That's the only time I read my Bible if I can find it. Otherwise, hey, I've got the app to cover me, right? I mean, sometimes it's like we gotta, we got to take this faith serious. And this needs to be a part of our daily existence. We don't compartmentalize our lives anymore. It's not just something we do on Sunday. We pull out our Sunday box. Hey, some of us might even pull out the Wednesday night church box, right? Going to the discipleship classes. But those are not to be the only times. And sometimes I think we choose to say nothing because we have nothing to say because Jesus isn't really in our lives that much. Just as something I do on Sunday. But listen, friends, this morning, I want you to understand, it is of vital importance that you'd be not only willing to speak, but prepared to speak for Jesus Christ, and that you would choose to speak up when given the opportunity. But what testimony can we offer? Like, what could we actually say that would help move people from, from, from here to there? To move, to move them from the place of maybe their resistance to God to a place where they can actually be in a relationship with God and have a positive verdict for the gospel. I want to look at the Apostle Paul this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. If you're following along in the app, the scripture's there for you. 
We're going to read a large portion of this chapter, not every single verse, but most every single verse in this. And let me set this up a little bit so you understand what we're reading. The Apostle Paul's in chains again because he can't speak can't stop speaking about the gospel. The Jews are a little bit mad about it, a little bit miffed, and they keep coming to the Romans who are the authorities of all the places where Paul is traveling and telling Romans, hey, this guy's talking about people raising from the dead and talking about this Jesus character. Jesus was a rebel. He's a really, really bad guy. And so you need to get him to quit talking that. He's going to stir up a circus in your city and in your town, and he's coming against us. He's breaking Jewish law all the time, and we need to get rid of this guy. And so Paul, all the time, finds himself being arrested for false accusations and then finds himself um, put up on the courts. And so here's an opportunity he has to actually talk to a king of a region, but he's already appealed to Caesar because he also has dual citizenship. He's a Roman citizen. And so he's actually going to end up in Rome. Uh, we, we had a sermon last, last year on Acts 27 where he had the big shipwreck. You remember that? And, and we remember we were supposed to stay on the ship. You might remember that. That's what's happening in the next chapter. This is right before that. He's appearing in this trial before a king named Agrippa. So let's read this together. And this is Paul sharing his story, sharing his testimony. He says, so Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. And then Paul stretched out his hand and he made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and the controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. You see, Paul was one of those religious elitists. He was a Pharisee. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. It says, and now I stand here on trial because of my hope and the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? In other words, you guys know God, you know of God, what what would make you think he doesn't have the power to raise the dead? Why is this so offensive to everyone? Verse 9, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Sometimes that's the way it worked before someone was stoned, uh, before someone was put to death. They would actually take a vote of all the Pharisees and all of the Jewish ruling council. And he's saying, you know, I actually cast my vote against people and had them put to death. That's who he was before Jesus. And then in verse 11, it says, And I punished them often in all the synagogues, and I tried to make them blaspheme and enraging fury against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I mean, he was a persecutor of Christians. He was a hater of Jesus and the movement of the way, the truth, and the life. And he even chased people into foreign cities because he was such a mean and bad person that was constantly going after Christians. You see that he's telling, he's sharing his story before he came to Jesus. And then we get to verse 12, and he's going to start now sharing about his conversion. He says, in this, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus. So, in other words, I'm going to Damascus to persecute some more Christians. He says, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests to stir up some stuff there. And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun. You know how bright the sun is, right? 
You don't look at it. Brighter than that, at midday, he sees a light that's brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, which would be the Jewish language, the Jewish tongue at that time, because here he's talking in Greek and the Bible is written in Greek here. And so it's significant that he's hearing this in his native tongue. And this is Jesus. And if you're reading in your Bible and it has red letters there or in the app, it has red letters there. It's because Jesus said these things. And then it says they heard it in his Hebrew language and it said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. To do what? To appoint you as what? A servant and as what else? And a witness. Paul, Stand to your feet because I'm going to point you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen in the past, what you know about Scripture and what you know about the Bible and what you know about the, the Heavenly Father's miraculous power to what you have seen in me and to those in which I will appear to you. In other words, there's things in the past you're going to give testimony to. There's things that haven't even happened yet. Things in the future that you're going to give testimony to. In verse 17, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Powerful. Powerful as he's repeating what had happened to him on the road to Damascus. His Damascus story is actually found just a little bit earlier in the same book of Acts that we're reading from. But we don't get quite as many details till we see it here. Till he's sharing his testimony before King Agrippa. And what a powerful testimony it is. And look at all that Jesus has called to him to do. Now let's look at verse 19. It says, There King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus where he was being sent to persecute them. And that was the first place I went and testified to Jesus, but declared first those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance, that they're going to change their lives, they're going to live and perform deeds for the Heavenly Father. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both the small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses have said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. See how he's weaving the gospel narrative right there in his testimony, verse 24. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus, and Festus was one of the court officials there, said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. And what he's saying there by great learning is Paul was smart and everybody knew it. He was well-versed. He knew all of the Old Old Testament. He knew how it all fit together. He was well-read. He was well-thought of. He was a very smart man. And he says here that you you are so smart and your great learning is driving you out of your mind. And look what Paul says. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus. See, he's being respectful there. But I am speaking true and rational words. And then he goes to King Agrippa with it. And he says, for the king knows about these things. And to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. Everything that Jesus has done was out there in the world. 
And everything that the Apostle Paul was doing was out there in the world. And in verse 27, he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. In other words, that they would become fully clothed with Christ, become Christians and followers of me, except that they wouldn't be caught up and arrested in these chains. And the rest of that chapter just talks about how they found no charges against him. And they wanted to set him free after he'd shared the gospel with them, but they couldn't because he had already appealed to Caesar. And yes, he would go to Rome. And yes, he would appear before Caesar. You see, as we share our stories, there's a lot that we can learn from this passage and this model of sharing a testimony and testifying to the truth that we know. Because I know many of you say, well, yeah, I do have a story, but how can I share my story? I want to give you just a brief outline on how to do that this morning in hopes that you'll actually go out and do it this week. And the first thing is this, share about your life B.C. Share about your life B.C. B.C. stands for before Christ. I want you to notice there in the first part of chapter 26 that Paul talks about his attitudes, his actions, and his heart before his life in Jesus Christ. He talks about that he was a Pharisee. He talked about how he kept the strictest of the law. He talked about how he even persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. And yet that was the cause for which he was in chains at that time. And sometimes I think we need to remember what it was like before Christ. For some of us that was a long time ago but you still need to remember it. You know, I've been in a situation in a small group before where we were sharing our testimonies and, and, and somebody was kind of glorifying uh, the past. And we want to be careful not to do that, not to celebrate sinfulness, uh, not, not to celebrate it, um, to, to think of our past sinfulness as something that we are fond of or something that we think was really, really funny. I remember one time I was in a situation in, in, a, in a group and someone was sharing their testimony and they had uh, lived a life of... of, of, of just, just you know, chasing uh, women and, and drinking. And, and as they were telling it as part of their testimony, they were kind of laughing about it, you know? And it almost felt like they were almost glorifying that a little bit. Now, I know in his heart he didn't mean to do that, but, and, and maybe it was funny because he was, uh, had been, you know, sanctified <laughs> up to that point and was not living that lifestyle anymore. But, you know, we have to be really careful when we're sharing about that. We definitely want people to see who we were before Christ, but, but we don't want to take it too far. People struggle enough with sin. They don't need another temptation put before them. They don't need another stumbling block put before them. Because chances are, if you're sharing this with somebody, they've already tasted sinfulness. They've gone their own way in life. They've tried to do things their own way. You know, sin for a season seems all right, doesn't it? Maybe even could be a little bit of fun sometimes. But it seems like always on the other side of our sin is a consequence. And sometimes those consequences, they run deep, don't they? And some of us, we could testify to that truth this morning. That yeah, I made a a choice in the past that really changed the trajectory of my life. Maybe God has turned that around and used it for good. And used it for his glory. But some of you may still be walking in here on a Sunday morning and saying, I am still struggling because of some choices I made in the past. It's good to remember who you were before Christ. It's good to remember being hopeless and helpless. But it's also wise to be very careful in how you share that part of your story. 
But it needs to be shared. It needs to be heard. That We need to share about our life, B.C., just as the Apostle Paul did uh, there in 26. And he did that really clear up through verse 11. And then the second thing that you need to do is you need to describe your conversion experience. So you're going to share about your life, B.C., and then you're going to describe your conversion experience just as the Apostle Paul does in verses 12 through 19 there. You need to tell about the circumstances that happened. You need to be sharing about how you felt about how you felt God moving in your life and in your heart. You need to share about other people that God had put in your path that helped lead you there to that moment and to that time. You need to think about what you were reading. Think about what you were praying or maybe your first prayer to God. And you need to hang on to that part of your story and the details of it. And you need to be able to, to share that with joy. Now, I know that some of you may be like me, and I grew up in the church, and I, I felt like I was a Christian my whole life. Well, I actually didn't make my decision to follow Christ until I was 12 years old. And I was in the, in the church my whole, my whole life. I mean, everywhere my parents moved, we, we found a church there. And so I, I grew up in the church, but I, can, I will never forget my conversion experience. It was a Thursday night at church camp, Camp Sooner, Pink, Oklahoma. In 1987, I was 12 years old, sixth grader. And I'll never forget, it was Thursday night, uh, the, the speaker at camp that night, it was an outdoor uh, kind of amphitheater, uh, we called it the chapel, but it was outdoors, we were sitting on these benches, I remember the rocks underneath our feet, very rural, very rustic, and I remember the camp speaker that night was a guy by the name of Paul Crosby, and it, the whole lesson that night was like, he was just talking to me. You ever had that experience, like, man, whoever's speaking today, this is like, they're talking to me. I mean, I just felt the presence of God. And I remember they did a song at the end. I don't remember what the song was, but I remember they did a song and they said, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you want to repent of your sins and you want to turn, turn away from sinfulness and turn away from Satan and come to the Lord, then you come forward. And I, that night, was, that was over. Life as I knew it was over that night. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I remember uh, sitting on the front row, and I remember a uh, children's minister, youth minister from the church had come over started talking to me. I remember uh, walking after that chapel service back to the dorm, uh, back to the cabins there at Camp Sooner with my friends and talking about how we were going to be different when we went home. Like life had totally changed for all of us that week. I remember coming home. I remember uh, calling my parents that night wanting to be baptized, and they wanted to participate you know be a part of that obviously so I came home I worked through a baptism book and within about a month I, I was baptized right right over here in this baptistry and I'll never forget it I mean that's my conversion story 12 years old and some of you may say well that's my you know my conversion story too I was a kid you know we've we've had some as young as six or seven make that decision to give their life for Jesus Christ and to walk with him but maybe you were 17 or maybe you were 27 or maybe you were 57 but you have a story. You need to hang on to that conversion experience and remember what it was like and share that story with anyone who would hear it. You need to be prepared to do it. To say something when it may be easier and safer. To say nothing. And share that testimony about your life before Christ. About your conversion experience. And then the third thing is to share about the changes in your life since your conversion. To share about the changes in your life since your conversion. You could call this part sharing your life A.D., after your death in the watery grave of baptism, being raised to walk in newness of life, as it says in Romans chapter 6, that you're going to now share with people about the hope that you have. You can share about how you can cope with the circumstances of this world better with Jesus because you know He is ultimately in control and He is now the Lord of my life. He's the master of my life, the master of my universe, and I don't have to have all the answers because I put my faith in Him because He controls it all. Because you'll find as you're sharing your story with other people, People, people are hoping in something. 
It's just usually not the Lord. They're hoping in their bank account. They're hoping in their future. They're hoping in some accolades or some awards they're going to get. They're, they're maybe even hoping into something that they're going to accomplish with their life in a special way. They're hoping in some relationship that they have. And then they realize all that could fall apart. That all of it's like building your house on sand. And it'll, it'll eventually crash. And so, so it comes to that time where, where we realize it's like we have to put ourselves on a firm foundation and build ourselves on Jesus, on Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice in the passage in verses 19 through 23 that Paul is so dedicated to sharing his story. He's so dedicated to sharing the gospel now, to sharing his story to all that would hear. It didn't matter if he was in court in front of King Agrippa and Festus. He was going to tell them about Jesus. He was going to share his story. And if it meant more trouble for him or more time in prison or more beatings or more chains, the Apostle Paul said, bring it on. Because ultimately, I don't care about all that. God, God is in control and he's going to take care of me. If I lose my life here in this world, Paul knew, I'll go to heaven. And I'll be with him to, forever. And so he could look any circumstance in the eye and have the hope of the resurrection in his heart and life. And that's what so many people are longing for today. And I think that's why it's important when we begin to share about the changes in our life, A.D. When we share about that, we need to brag on Jesus. And brag on his work and his power. I'm here to tell you this morning, dedicated hearts of Christians produce great results. And I want to ask you this morning, are you dedicated? Are you dedicated to being faithful to Jesus? To be faithful in what the Lord has called you to do. That you would actually testify. And be a witness and share your story with others. And that you would be a person that serves God faithfully. That you would do your part in ministry faithfully. That you would live for God faithfully. That you would testify and witness for Him faithfully. And after you're just being faithful with your life to God, that you just leave the results to Him. It's like the story of the little boy that, that, that brought in five loaves and, and two fish. He just brought in what he had. And he offered them to the Lord. And somehow the Lord make, made that work to multiply it and to feed 5,000. That's the attitude we, we need to have is, God, here's my five loaves. Here's my two fish. I'm going to do it. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to testify to you. You're the one that makes it grow. Because we can't control the results. God is in charge of the results. That's his business. All we're called to do is to serve and love him and sacrifice for him faithfully to be faithful. Remember this is God's plan because the Apostle Paul shared it with us in 1 Corinthians 3.6. The Apostle Paul said this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Apostle Paul, even before King Agrippa and Festus in that court, before he was getting on a ship as a prisoner and being taken to Rome, to stand one of his final trials and then to spend a few years in prison underground. The Apostle Paul was faithful. He was faithful to share the story of Jesus and the difference that it had made in his life. He planted. God may have appointed someone like Apollos or another faithful believer to come and water it. But ultimately, God gives the growth. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is you do the right thing. You do the thing that God has called you to. You be faithful to God and you leave the results to him. 
You be faithful to share it at work this week. You share it uh, on the soccer field. You share it out on the basketball court. You share it wherever you go to everyone everywhere who would hear it. That you are a Christian. This is the difference God has made in my life. This is who I was before. This is what happened to me. And this is who I am in Christ Jesus. And I guarantee if people are listening to that story, they've probably already seen a little bit of Jesus in you through the change that Christ has made in your life. You see, the kingdom of God is about everybody doing their part. About people being faithful in their role. And God will use that faithfulness maybe even to bring a generation of people to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you're like me and you want to see heaven full, then take a step toward that end today. And join him on his mission and be faithful. And be a witness for Jesus Christ.